It's called the black man is God. It's called the black man is God. Next hour. This is for the children. You know what I'm saying? I got this idea from myself, of course. But this is for the children. I got this prediction. This will be the biggest upset in all of fighting history. The easiest fight of my life. You think your cousin can with me? You really do? Anybody on your watch? Anybody in my family? Mike Corey and Sean Jordan was the essence of the young chorus where we grew from. Seemed like a second, now they less important to the new son. I guess today weighs more than yesterday. It's morbid to suggest that they will come for them too. When it's a brother younger than you, who humble and who? Used to coach a night coast and blew up. Who knew? He caught you on a rough night, you were stumbling through. Now he telling you to get yours, get yours. All of you reporters made it hard on them. Never write about me like that. Never make me think about Just when you thought, just when you thought you weren't going to get a mark draft for the NBA this year, your boy returns. The Hip Hop Sports Support Podcast is back. COVID can't even keep us down. COVID ain't keeping us down. How you feeling, y'all? It's Saturday, November 14th, 2020. I didn't think I'd be doing an NBA draft podcast in November, but... This has been a strange year. I think we all know that. So um, first and foremost, our thoughts go out to anybody that's suffering right now as a result of COVID-19. And uh, and, and that goes on all fronts, you know, economically, uh, you know, from an employment standpoint, from a health standpoint, family members, friends. You know, if you just have to quarantine yourself, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and obviously those uh, deeply affected either that have the illness or, or dare say passed away. You know, our thoughts are with all y'all right now. Jay Hicks is here to give you guys a podcast previewing the NBA draft here in November. You know where to find Hip Hop Sports Support, hiphopsportsreport.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook slash HHS Report or at HHS Report. That's where we're at. And of course, we're back with Mark Hicks, guru of the NBA draft, our draft guru and analyst extraordinaire. Mark Hicks, how you feeling this evening? What's going on, cousin? How you feeling, man? I'm doing great, man. You know, this is the eighth. The eighth edition of the Mark Draft for the NBA. Our first Mark Draft was 2014. Real quick, who was the first pick of the 2014 draft? <laughs> ah, aha. Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins to the Cleveland Cavaliers was the number one pick that year. That was our first Mark Draft. So I completely forgot about that, man. That's how how long it's been, man. Yeah. Crazy. They're all out there on the website, y'all. If y'all want to go back and listen to how right and wrong we were um, and, and laugh at us, go go on, go right ahead. But we got some stuff right, too. Um, and, of course, yes, you know, at, and then the year before that was is interesting because that was the 2013 draft. That was the year that saw Anthony Bennett go number one overall to the Cavs. Now, this yes, predates sir. the Mark draft. But in full disclosure, Mark, you were invested in Anthony Bennett. You, you believed that he was the correct pick. I was a Ben McLemore guy at the time, and it just goes to show you how much of a crapshoot this really is, y'all. Nobody knows. He had Nobody Anthony Bennett. Knows. I had Ben McLemore. One guy's been out the league. The other guy's clinging for dear life into the league. <laughs> Neither one of those guys were worthy of the top pick. 
and, nope. and but I will defend the Cavaliers to this day for making that selection because everybody knew that that draft wasn't that great. There was no clear superstar yeah. at the top, and they tried like hell to trade it, but they couldn't find a trade partner because it wasn't that great of a draft. And so they took a swing at a guy who they thought had high upside, and so that's kind of how it ended up. And I feel like this and year's draft, and, well, that too. <laughs> but I, feel, but I feel like this year's draft is not much different, Mark. So let's go ahead and get on into it. We're not going to screw around and waste any time. But for those of you, yes, sir, um, tapping in for your first ever Mark draft, all Mark's going to do is run down who he thinks each team picking in the NBA lottery should select with their draft pick. And sometimes it may end up in a trade. In fact, I would predict that there's going to be some trades in real life and in the Mark draft because it's just that weird of a year, y'all. So we'll see. Um, we'll see how it unfolds, of course. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves are on the clock with the first pick. Um, they had Joe Smith was the number one pick for the Timberwolves back in 90... Not 95. Was it 94? I don't know. 95. Like 95. Yeah, because KG... I want to say 95. I think you're right. Well, yeah. wait a minute. KG was 95. And Joe Smith was, he wasn't 94. That was Big Dog Robinson. 96 was Iverson. Maybe Joe Smith, was, was he number one? Maybe he wasn't number one. I don't even remember anymore. All the years are blurring together, y'all. I'm getting old. They're on the clock this year, though. Um, they were 19 and 45 last year, Mark. Um, they're pretty, But they're pretty much the worst team in the NBA with two all-stars on it. Like, I don't know how you can be that bad with two all-stars, but they got Carl Anthony Towns. I have no idea. They have D'Angelo Russell. Um, last year, they, they traded in the draft to go up to get Jarrett Culver, which I didn't really care for that decision. And he averaged nine points a game as a rookie. So there's that. Um, basically, Minnesota gave up, <laughs> recently gave up Zach Levine, uh, Lori Marketing, and Chris Dunn for like 60-something games of Jimmy Butler before they shipped Jimmy Butler out of town. That wasn't the best move for them. And, um, and now people are speculating that Carl Anthony Towns is going to want out of town. No pun intended. And, uh, and 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 they're trying to sell the team too. Glenn Taylor is trying to sell the team. There's been speculation that KG is going to buy it, or that you know Garnett is going to be in the in the mix for that. I don't know if that's going to happen, but um, but in any event, Minnesota is at a weird spot right now. So, Mark, what ought they do with the number one pick in this unpredictable, uh, non-Zion filled NBA draft? You, you couldn't have explained it better uh, better than that because of the, of the fact that like the, the 2014 draft where, uh, 2013 draft that had Anthony Bennett and Ben McLemore um, I'm looking at this draft here and it's quite honestly overall it's not a ton of superstars at least um, at least coming into the season, it, um, they may develop into into some, but there's no clear cut, definitive superstar type players in here. And there's a lot of hodgepodge of different players that offer different skills and talents. Because of the pandemic, man, I mean, we lost a lot of pre uh, precious time to really see these guys play, especially in big games. March Madness not, not going on last year really killed the. Uh, killed this NBA draft if, as far as I'm concerned because you didn't get to see the see these guys on the biggest stage a lot of these guys didn't get the opportunity to play especially if you're 19 years old you don't have much tape on you to begin with and then you take all of that away that's gonna be difficult for any GM to try to make, get this thing right you know what I'm saying um when you're looking at Minnesota Minnesota um if they practically need anybody other than point guard or center as far as I'm concerned um so their team right now is, is 
is indeed uh, is deficient of talent, and they need people who are actually going to um, give you know, help out those two all stars. Like you said, you, you, you can't be that bad with two all stars. But apparently, the Minnesota Timberwolves have done so. So, and I've been racking my brain with with this the entire time, and I think I've changed this uh, Minnesota's direction at least three or four times. But I'm going to go with. Guard Anthony Edwards, six-five shoot, uh, shooting guard from Georgia, as the number one pick for Minnesota. And the main reason why is because uh, D'Angelo Russell needs a running mate, and I think that um, while this kid is young, um, he has the ability to become something uh, something special and a compliment to both Carl uh, Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. And I think long term that's probably the best move for them, especially after they traded Andrew Wiggins. Um, they're, they're in need of uh, some younger talent, um, but that's the direction I would go. I would go with Anthony Edwards at number one. So you would not trade this pick. And again, a reminder for y'all listening for the first time, this is what Mark believes they should do with their draft pick, not what we're predicting they will do like most mock drafts. So you don't think that they should trade this pick? Uh, honestly, I think there's a lot of teams that should trade their, their picks. Here's my issue, though, because I was doing, you know, like you, uh, today I was doing a little bit more research on the NBA in general. And a couple of reasons why I don't think there's going to be as many trades as we anticipate. If it's, if it's, if it's trades that's going to be involved, it's going to be, you know, very few teams that's going to be involved with that because I think overall the NBA lost, lost their revenue due to this pandemic about 10%, which is about rough, roughly rough, uh, goes out to $8.3 billion. So you talking about that, you talk about an $800 million loss in, in gate receipts and $400 million loss in sponsorships for this particular season. Teams don't want to have to have high payrolls. And uh, they actually stopped uh, or halted or slowed down the increase in the in the actual salary cap for 2020-2021. Uh, I think it's now at 100.9, million, excuse me. And the luxury tax threshold is at 132. So if you go by those numbers, there's a lot of teams that's already at that point where they're paying into the luxury tax. So a lot of people are going to want to shed salary, so they don't want to try to get you know younger and more inexperienced and get rid of some of these higher-priced veterans. The problem is not too many other teams are going to want to do it either because of the fact that they also lost money. So you have to keep that in, in mind. So there's very few uh, few trades that I will actually encourage, but I don't think it's going to be as many trades as, you, as everyone might think because of what happened in this past season. Well, you raise a good point, certainly, and Anthony Edwards is an interesting prospect. Uh, let me just say this about him real quick. He looks the part. Okay. Like, if y'all have never seen Anthony Edwards on tape or just watching the game, that dude mm-hmm. looks the part. He's 6'5". He's about maybe 220. Um, he's, yeah. he's, he's, you know, got an NBA body. He's got the broad shoulders. He, you know, he looks, he's athletic as all hell. Kid can 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 run and jump and, and all of that stuff. Um, he looks like he's been studying NBA game from the standpoint of how his game looks or appears on video. So what I mean by that is he's got all the step back moves. He's got all the shake and bake moves. He's got all that stuff. He's got the acrobatic finishes. He can do those things to a degree where it gets tricky with him though. And he has some Dwayne Wade and James Harden comps based on his size and skill set and 
I think that's I think that's on a, obviously the extremely high end if he pans out. But what worries me about him is that he has low shooting percentages, right? So the talent right. is there and it jumps off the screen at you, but he has low field goal percentage numbers. He, should, he shot like forty percent for the season, and maybe he wasn't on a great team, but he, the kid shot forty percent for the season. He, I think he shot maybe in the low thirties or high twenties from three. Um, he he's just not polished in terms of shooting the basketball. But when you look at the highlights, you see all the step backs and you see all the crossover into a step back and, and all that stuff. And, you know, the so like when I saw that and I'm putting two and two together and I'm like, OK, so apparently this dude probably does not have the sharpest basketball acumen at this stage of his career, because if he has these NBA moves, which are actually a low percentage shot for most people and he shoots a low percentage, that tells me that he probably has not the best shot selection, and he's probably a little less mature in his game. His assist-to-turnover ratio his assist to turnover ratio is one-to-one. So he's not making yeah. anybody better. He, he, he's turning the ball over at a high clip, and he has a low shooting percentage, and he has poor shot selection. So I don't think his basketball IQ is all the way there. He actually reminds me more of Victor Oladipo, um, but I, I can see him. He has to progress to, get, to become Oladipo, I think that not going number one might be the best thing for Anthony Edwards because I think he doesn't really need to get burdened with that pressure that helped crumble Anthony Bennett, right? Victor Oladipo went second. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of my my take on Anthony Edwards. I think he's a good player. I think, you know, I would take him on my team. You know, I'd be happy to have him. But I just just worry that he's a, a byproduct of looking at watching NBA basketball in 2020, 19, and 18 seeing guys like James Harden and how they get their points and then he emulates them, but he doesn't have the skill set just yet. So, um, number, I, I would agree with you on that. I definitely would agree with you on that. My uh, only thing I would say is, you know, he is 19. So at this point, yeah. uh, there's not many 19 year olds that have high basketball IQs right. and who are not at, um, and you, we talked about this many times during the mark drafts before, you know, especially with basketball, you know, a lot of kids don't know how to play defense, and they and they generally have poor shot selection, and they don't really have shoot high percentages. Right. So I think that will come in time. So if, I I don't think it's a lack of talent, but I think it, it what comes down to what's going to make or break him or any of these guys is what they do when the cameras are not on them during the off season, getting their bodies right when they train and doing all this extra stuff. And I think it it shows what type, it will reveal what type of person or what type of player that they're going to want to be in, over the course of the next five or six years. So it's just a matter of – I think it's more mindset than actual talent because I think the talent is there about yeah. what you do to bring that out. So Yeah, and, and, you know, again, you and I are from Cleveland. We're Cavs fans. The Cavs pick fifth. If I've seen mocks where Anthony Edwards slides. If he slides all the way to five, I'm running up to the table to turn in the ticket. You know what I mean? The it's virtual, not even que- it's no question the virtual that. ticket. I'm running, the, I'm running and getting them. Number two was the Golden State Warriors. Um, they went to the finals, what was it, five straight years? They won three titles in five years, and then it all came crashing down. KD left. Um, Steph got hurt. Clay got hurt. Draymond got whack. Or, or whacker, stop trying, whatever you call it. I don't know. Steve Kerr checked out. The whole team fell apart, and they built a new stadium. Um, they were fifteen and fifty. Right, exactly. They were fifteen. <laughs> they were fifteen and fifty last year. But we know that they're good, and everybody kept saying like, "Well, LeBron is bragging about making it through the West this year." Well, Golden State was hurt. Like, let's see if he can get through Golden State. And it's like, okay, well, let's think about that for a second because. 
their 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 window is is critical here, Mark, and because people just assume that Golden State's going to bounce back, and I think they will, but really quickly. Clay Thompson turns thirty one years old in February. Draymond yep. turns thirty one years old in March. Steph Curry turns thirty three in March. So it's yeah. not as if, and that's the core of their team. Now they still have Andrew Wiggins, and he's twenty five. But they, in, in a roundabout way, they ended up turning Kevin Durant into Andrew Wiggins. Not an ideal kind of situation there. But, I mean, Wiggins right. has, you know, he's better than nothing. He's still a 20-point-per-game scorer. But just, you know, when you look at those guys, the core of the team being in their early 30s now, all of them, you know, yep. and Steph having uh, injury problems periodically throughout his career, now he's 33. Yep. Now, we know Steph's going to age well because he can shoot, obviously, better than anybody ever. But... Right. He's he's you know he's not young you know what I'm saying these guys are in their 30s now they're all going to be in their early deep into their early 30s headed towards mid 30s now so I, how much time do they really have left like if there was one team that really needs to trade this pick I feel like it's them and, and all those guys make tons of money right now they're all on huge contracts too so their window is still open for a championship right now I don't know yeah. how much the number two pick in the draft is going to help them win right now so how do you see them utilizing their second pick. Well, you uh, you actually sparked my interest earlier this week when you said uh, we have a you know uh, for those of you who don't know, I have a group text with uh, with uh, Justin, uh, his brother Kenny, and my brother Vince, and and my cousin Mike that lives in uh, he pretty much lives all over the country, but he, 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 he where he lays his hats is home. Mike, shout out to Mike. <laughs> right. He's been on the podcast <laughs> before, friend of the podcast, Mike Hicks. <laughs> Drummond. I think Andre Drummond would be the perfect complement to them 
what they're trying to do up front um, defensively. And I think he will also rejuvenate uh, Draymond Green's career as well. So I think that that's a, if they were actually able to pull that trade off, that's the that's the route I would go with. But if they, everything stays the way they are and they pick at two, uh, James Wiseman is the pick for me. And I think whoever has that pick, James Wiseman should be the pick for them at that at number two. So with Wiseman, you know, he only played three games of college basketball. Um, yeah. He got into some stuff. Uh, evidently, uh, uh, Penny Hardaway, uh, uh, you know, gave him a napkin when they grabbed lunch one day, and 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 that's considered an NCAA violation. Violation. You can't. You cannot provide napkins, plastic silverware, paper cups. You know, you cannot direct the recruit to the water fountain. That's um, why so, college is so whack, man. It, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off, but that's why college is so bad, man. And if they don't get their act together with all these the BS rules, they're going to lose a lot of fans, and they're going to end up losing the league because of this. College athletics is is going bye bye because a lot of these kids are not even going to go to college because they want to avoid crap like this. Right and Wiseman, James Wiseman was a travesty. Yeah, so so, so he I'm didn't sorry. he he didn't, no no I feel you though I, I agree on all fronts and so Wiseman didn't play, uh but three games now he played mostly against nobodies he played two games against Scrubs and then he played Oregon, um his numbers were right. noticeably better in against the Scrubs than they were against Oregon um he he also he he looks like a very good athlete he runs pretty fluidly I don't know that he's like a slam dunk can't miss type of guy. He, you know, it's not like he's from an athletic standpoint, you know, he's very good, but it's not like, wow, like I've never seen that before. Like, that's not quite the type of athlete that he is. And again, I'm not knocking his athletic, but he's not ashamed to beat. You know what I'm saying? He can move, but right. it's just, it's just, he, he's not, you know, Blast from the past. yeah, yeah, right. He's just not like, you know, like an all time type athlete that just jumps out of your TV screen when you watch him play. Um, he looks like he's got a, a decent bit of polish to his game. Um, mm-hmm. What's funny is that, um, <laughs> like, DeAndre Ayton went, went number one overall just a couple of years ago to Phoenix. And, right. uh, and because of the fact that they ended up passing on Luka Doncic with that pick, that pick has become ridiculed by people. Because it's like, um, you know, you had Luka. Luka's a generational talent. You and I sat on the mark draft that year and said, Luke is the best player in this draft. Like, you know, he should probably go either one or two. Like, nobody out here is better than Luca. But I understood why they went with Aiton. I agree. Aiton, Aiton ended up being the pick, and it got ridiculed. But here we are a couple of years later, and quiet is kept. DeAndre Aiton is averaging 18, 12, and one and a half blocks a game for Phoenix. That's what I'm saying. So that's that's he, he was not. He, he, yeah, that's a talent. That's a talented basketball player. Yeah. So my Pure point is, simple. my point is, is is Wiseman better than Aiton because. Aiton turned out to be pretty good, and but he doesn't get the credit for it. All we hear is like, how could you waste a pick on a center that doesn't shoot from 35 feet? Like, that's pretty much what it's become. So it's kind of like, you know, Wiseman's not that. So why is it that it's okay to take Wiseman there, but some other people might have a problem with that? Or when Aiton, Aiton, when Phoenix did it, they got laughed at for picking for making a pick for a similar type player, you know, more of a traditional back-to-the-basket big with a little bit of a, a touch around the rim and stuff like that. Uh, Wiseman can block shots and stuff. I mean, I think he'd be a great fit with Golden State, so I'm not trying to say that he's not a, a promising player or prospect. My whole point is just right. that I think because Golden State has, has everybody's respect as being a smart team, if they pick him, it's going to be like, oh, what an amazing pick by Bob Myers. 
I was just about to say that. It's like, your, get this guy a cocktail. Go Man. Go to Phoenix, and that's the reason why it, 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 that, that pick would be uh, – this pick with uh, Wiseman would be celebrated as far as Golden State's concerned. Um, but it would, it, while on the same point, is ridiculed when uh, a team like the Phoenix Suns. And you, know, you, just, and you pretty much are hit the nail on the head. But at the end of the day, team, uh, the NBA is now a 35-footer league. That's what it is. Everybody has to be able to shoot a three, and some has to be able to shoot from half court and, and, and drain threes on a consistent basis. It's now an outside-in game. It's not. It, it used to be an inside-out game, and and nobody really you know right. looks at the inside game anymore right. and i don't i don't understand why but there's a lot of points to be had if you actually would go inside and you know i i i've seen houston do this plenty of times where they would actually have a, a a free layup and they would kick it back out to a guy to shoot a contested three that just drove me insane cuz you know when i was growing up that would never happen no in never any, in any type of uh circumstance it no, you get yanked out the game and, and wiseman you know what's funny too he he gets compared to hassan whiteside one of the most ridiculed players in the nba like he's a, <laughs> he's a punchline hassan whiteside has, yes, he has is. he's he's not a bad player all the time i mean sometimes he is but he's a good player he's shown the ability to be a good and productive player whiteside has but he gets clowned all the time by basketball nerds from coast to coast and this is who they compare Wiseman to but then it's like well he needs to go in the top two and it's just like I don't get it you know it's a little bit confusing on the messaging there he Wiseman knows how to be big he likes to be big I don't want him shooting a ton of threes but he's a good player um let's get to the third pick um let's move okay. along the Charlotte Hornets this is always hilarious Mark I do this with like one team a year where I just kind of ask you a, a, a random question about that team to see not so much if you're on top of it because you are clearly but just to see like how little buzz again no pun intended a certain team is getting so this year it's the hornets mark do you know who their head coach is <laughs> uh nope <laughs> i don't know his name so i I, I was thinking about it today and i'm like it's it's not steve clifford is it is it steve clifford and i, I looked it up it's like no steve clifford's down in orlando Lando. Steve Clifford mm-hmm. left two and a half years ago. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing so, you did. So, so, so Charlotte's, yo, Charlotte's coach isn't even new. He's been there for two and a half years. The guy's name is James <laughs> James Borrego. I've never heard a dude. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not, you know, I got kids now, man. They're both, I got two toddlers in the house running around. I, you know, I started a new job recently. I got a lot going on in life, you know what I'm saying? And so maybe that's on me, but like this dude was like the first Latino male, uh, or excuse me, the first Latino head coach in NBA history. So this dude's making history out here, and I don't even know his name. Didn't know he existed. I didn't know nothing about this dude. So I'm like, okay, that's impressive. Um, that's sad. Or, or or unimpressive, I guess is more accurate. Right. Um, so 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 Charlotte, uh, you know, they lost Kemba Walker last year. Um, yeah. Devontae Graham emerged as a, as a bright young star, and. Um, we saw some good things from 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 Miles Bridges and and PJ Washington. Um, I think Michael Jordan is feeling the pressure though. I think because LeBron won another championship. I think that and the fact that the last dance just happened and we learned about this insatiable competitive nature of Michael Jordan that just you know is just so incandescent that it just burns relentlessly and out of control even and the ferocity in which he competes so now he's going to go out and trade for russell westbrook or somebody like that's the rumor anyway right like this team has nothing worth really talking about at all 
So what do they do with the third pick? Because they've been here year after year. They can't land the number one pick. They get the third pick, and nobody really cares about them. So how do you make them relevant, Mark, with the third pick? Well, to to make them relevant, you have to have uh, star potential, star power. So I can see why they would look at a, a Russell Westbrook for you know to try to get that star power. But I mean, at this point, they're not winning anything anytime soon. And you know, and just looking looking at the uh, the finances for them, their payroll is about seventy nine million for next year, which puts them twenty eighth out of thirty teams this year. So these so. Jordan's not. It's hard for me to say that Jordan's not spending a lot of money because seventy-eight million dollars is a lot of money. But he's not spending a lot of money. So, for, for you know, the only way that they're going to get better is if they draft better. And they have a whole bunch of money tied up with guys that really don't do any, don't move the needle, so to speak. You know, you still got Nicholas Batum on that team. You still got That's an inspiring deal. That's an inspiring deal they can move, by the way. Big money. I think it's like $27 million they can move. $27 million bucks, yes. Right. But you know, got Cody Zeller making 15. I mean, come on, man. That's a lot of money (laughs) tied up with Bunch of bunch of bums. You gotta you gotta be able to draft better. <laughs> Bottom line, but you know, also with that, you know, you with coming with certain talent or getting better players, you're gonna have to roll the dice a little bit. So, in my opinion, Charlotte Hornets is, under this scenario have a chance to take probably the most talented player in this draft. I won't say he's the best player. But I would say he is probably the most talented player coming in. But there's a lot of flags that come that's associated with this pick. I know what this but is if going. I'm them, and I know you know where I'm going with. This. If I'm them, I'm taking Lamelo Ball, point guard, six six. You already know the deal with him. You already know the deal that he, with his brother. You already know the deal with his dad, who's already been a, 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 a thorn in the side of a lot of NBA executives for years. But I think in this particular uh, this particular circumstance, the juice is worth the squeeze. Well, and Michael Jordan needs somebody to hang their hat around, hang their hat on, and I think that's the person that they need to go with. I, if you, I'm them, and that's Lamelo Ball. Well, Lamelo, man, you know what? If I were running a team, I don't think I would touch Lamelo with a ten foot pole. I don't. I don't. <laughs> and and what's crazy I, is that I understand why you 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 said why. you said. You said he's been, uh, LeVar Ball has been a thorn in the side of executives. He's been a thorn in the side of Michael Jordan. He said that he would beat Michael Jordan. And we know how spiteful <laughs> Michael Jordan is. So I, yeah. I find it hard to believe that Michael Jordan would actually uh, pick this dude. Like, you know, like he's going to pick LeVar's kid after all the crap LeVar talked. You know, I, I take Jordan, never lost. I take him one-on-one, all that nonsense. Like, I don't, I don't think Jordan would do it. But. Maybe they should do it. Maybe they should do it. I mean, because LaMelo has some talent. This is why I think they will, though, because you made great points, excellent points. I think if this this pandemic did not happen, there wouldn't be a chance in hell that this kid would have been taken by Michael Jordan at all. I think because of the pandemic, I think a lot of things because of the fact that he has not been successful in Charlotte, you got the natives uh, being restless right now with him, and the direction of this basketball team, I think he's more willing now to do a move like this than he would maybe even like 16 months ago. He wouldn't have been able to do something like this. He would never even fathom doing something like this. And I think he has to, in this particular case, he may have to put his ego aside for the for 
the benefit of his of his team going forward. I, and and while you know his his dad is a pain in the ass, and everybody else, uh, is his, uh, his brother has not lived up to the number two billing. I think he, I think Lamelo is actually more talented than Lonzo is. And I think if he's put in a in a decent situation, I think he can succeed. But you got to get all that other nonsense out of the way. And and his 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 dad, just like I said with Lonzo years ago, he's got to he's got to keep his mouth shut and stay out of the way because this kid has a has an opportunity to become a focal point of a basketball team co- coming right out coming right into the uh, roster. And as long as he stays out of that and lets his lets his kid mature and grow and become the leader that he needs to be on that on that squad, I think he has a chance. But, it, I mean, it's a lot of ifs and buts. But you're doing it's, a lot of ifs lot and buts with buts. all these guys. Yeah, man, but you yeah. know what, though? But LaMelo, like, first of all, I think Lonzo was actually a better prospect. We saw Lonzo play a full season of ball at a top-flight program in a competitive conference. He played at UCLA. LaMelo did not play college basketball. He, he went overseas. He played in uh, – uh, Australia. He bounced around in the in the states, playing at different high schools. He left California and started playing ball in Cleveland, in Northeast Ohio. Yeah. He was playing high school games at my old high school. He played a game. Like yeah. I, he's he was all over the map. They were just trying to find a bright situation where they could showcase his ability so he could get to the NBA. And that's all it was. It wasn't about basketball. It wasn't about fit. It wasn't about him learning the the finer points of the game and and studying under the. The, the the tutelage of a great college coach. It wasn't about any of that. It was about getting him to this point, and it was all about hype. That's all the Ball family is, is about hype. Lonzo was good, but he was never as good as LeVar hyped him up to be, and we knew that in the moment. He was never as good as Magic Johnson hyped him up to be, and we knew that in the moment. And here becomes LaMelo Ball, and all of a sudden, he's supposed to be the top player in the draft. I'm just not seeing it. Why? Because he averaged a lot of points and assists, in a, in a system that was completely designed for him to succeed at the expense of all of his teammates in Australia, where he could pretty much come and go as he pleased and do whatever he wanted to do. He's a good passer. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying he's not, he's void of all talent. He's a good passer and he can make a play and he's got a good feel for the game and a decent handle. And I'll give him all of that. Um, but he's, when I look at some of the highlights and I see some of the draft analysts talk about his highlights, I think they're overrating his passes. It's like, yeah, that was a good pass. There's about uh, 200 guys in the league that can make that same pass. But when he does it, mm-hmm. it's, oh, man, you got to take him in the top three. Plus, he can't shoot. He can't shoot. So if you're taking a, a, a guard or a wing in this era in the top three of the draft and they can't shoot, granted, you made the point earlier that, you know, uh, most young prospects can't shoot coming out, and, and I, uh, that's a point that I've made for years. I agree with that. But, you know, for all the, the baggage that he brings and that his father brings, and he can't even shoot the basketball, come on, man. Like, I, I would not do it. He shot a low percentage. Wherever he was playing last year, he shot a low percentage. And, you know, things were just kind of set up for him to be showcased and not necessarily to make him into a top-flight basketball player for the long run. I'm not saying that he's going to be a spectacular failure in the NBA. I just don't see it working out. And if I had a team, only if I was like the Warriors where I had an established infrastructure, would I consider taking him. And even then it's not a right, it's not the right basketball fit. But if I'm any of these teams like Charlotte and, you know, Detroit or whoever, and I'm just looking to make a name and just get some fans in the proverbial seats, even though we don't have any fans in the seats right now, I would not make this pick if I was running those teams, but I, I get it. But Best of luck to you, LaMelo. Uh, Chicago Bulls pick fourth. 
you know, I mean, you're joining a 23 and 42 Charlotte team. Good luck. Uh, Chicago, yeah, good luck. Chicago's 22 and 43. Um, last year they picked Kobe White. He had an up and down season. Zach Levine is now averaging like 25, 28 points a game. I think he averaged 25 points a game this year on a on not a very good team. So I think what we learned about Zach Levine is that he can be a great player. Um, on a bad team, or he can be like the third option on a really good team, but he can't be your number one. So the Bulls are still searching for that. They finally fired Garpax after all these years, and they hired a brother named Mark Eversley, and they hired Billy Donovan as their coach. So uh, you got to root for the black general manager, at least we do on this podcast, just when they're not playing the Cavaliers. Um, but uh, what should they do with that fourth pick now that the, the big three names in this draft are off the board? I'm going to dice a little bit on this one. Um... And the reason why I'm doing the reason why I'm doing this is because with Chicago, uh, like like you said, Zach Levine has been a, a pleasant surprise in my opinion. Um, he could be one of those one of those guys that we talked about in the past, you know, who, who have good good statistics on a bad team. He could be one of those guys. But um, I am impressed with the fact of how you know Zach Levine has has pretty much worked on his game to now being that being that uh, type of a scorer. I didn't think when I first saw him, I just thought he was a dunker, and I didn't think he was going to mount too much. But um, I think he's uh, he's improved. And, I, and, I, and you talked about Kobe White going, you know, having up and down rookie season. But I, I, there's promise there. Um, I think what the biggest thing that the, that the Bulls are lacking right now is is, is a defensive identity. But I would um, I would uh, seriously consider. Isaac Okoro, the small forward, six six from Auburn, as my guy. Not only just just I mean, they say that his he he lacks or he's deficient offensively, but what he what he does defensively, and especially being that young, his offensive game is going to come as the longer he plays in the league and finds finds his niche. But I think if you're coming in and being a defensive talent right off the bat, because that's where his bread and butter is, I think he's going to be somebody that's going to uh, to help that team immensely, and that's the direction. If I'm then that I would want to go in. So that's that's really interesting, I think. And I know I feel like I said that about all your picks, but I feel like this is probably the most interesting one yet because most people have those first three guys going in some order at the top. Isaac Okoro is a, a bit of a, a stunner. I think people would be shocked if he went number four overall on draft night. Um, he has promise uh, out of Auburn. Um, he's a great defender. He's good on the ball. He's good off the ball. Um, from what I've seen. He's a good athlete, but not a great athlete. He's got good size. Um, he can't really shoot at all. His, his his numbers are pretty poor across the board from a shooting standpoint. And he doesn't really create for others from what I've observed and, and, and learned about him. Um, but he does finish around the rim pretty well with both hands, I would say. Um, I think that there are several teams like Chicago and Cleveland, for that matter, that have guys that can put the ball in the hole, but they can't stop anybody. Um, they couldn't stop your grandma from scoring. You know what I'm saying? So the Bulls, <laughs> the Bulls are one of those teams that that you know they could maybe take a gamble on a guy um, that could maybe do that. Now, now the Cavs pick fifth. Now, one thing I was going to mention to you earlier, Mark, is that there's a player that I researched um, that I really like that nobody's talking about, and I was wondering if he, if you were going to come across the same guy because you know we've been doing this a long time as we mentioned at the top of the show, and we often end up on the same page of these things. But there's a guy out there that nobody's talking about that I looked at him and I'm like, I like that dude. And Isaac Okoro is not that player, but I'm curious to see if you have that player going number five to Cleveland. Um, The Cavaliers, our our beloved Cavaliers, 19 and 46 last year, spectacular season for the Cavaliers. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> like Chicago, we don't really know what direction they're going in. The, the the Cavs are always coming and going. They hire a coach for give him a ten year contract and they fire him thirty games into it, and then they replace a guy right. with a guy, and then they give that guy an eight year contract, and they, and they've been paying coaches, you know, and general managers. They've been paying those guys for forever. It seems like so now they have Kobe Altman as GM, another black GM we're rooting for. <laughs> And then we have J.B. Bickerstaff as the head coach, a, a young black head coach in the league. So, um, you know, I, I like the hire of John Beeline a year ago, and here we are, you know, 18 months later, and John Beeline's been on the beach, you know, not right. with the team. So one interesting thing about the Cavs is that, you know, we, again, we don't know what direction they're going in. They have um, good bigs who don't really fit together, and they have good backcourt guys that don't really fit together. Uh, Tristan Thompson is twisting in the wind. He's a – kind of the last connection to the championship teams that we had in Cleveland. And but he's a free agent and I don't know if they're itching to bring him back necessarily. Um, and, and, you know, people constantly disrespect Colin Sexton. Everybody around the league disrespects Colin Sexton. But if I told you that a guy in the second year was going to through two seasons was going to be averaging 18 and a half points, three boards and three assists, and he was going to be shooting 45, 39 and 84. Those are his shooting splits from field goal three and free throws. That's pretty damn good. So no question, you know, so, but, but they also have Garland back there and he had not so great of a rookie season, but I don't know how much of that was his fault. It's just a really weird team and they can't seem to trade Kevin Love. So what do you do with this fifth pick? I've been debating this, man. I've been debating this for now. Ever, ever since I knew that this team was going to be in the, basically in the toilet in the Eastern conference, I've been trying to figure out what's the best move for this team and I've been I've been juggling different different scenarios. When I found out that they had the fifth pick, I was hoping for top three. They get the fifth pick, and I'm like, I was bummed. So I'm like, where we're gonna, where direction can we go now? But they actually have a number of different options. Um, that trade scenario that you were talking about, I would love for the Cavs to have it because that gives them a little bit more flexibility as to what they, what direction that they that they're going in. You just real, real quick, real quick, let me interrupt real quick. So, so with the trade scenario yeah, sure. that that we came, it was just it was a hypothetical that we came across online, but in it, the Cavs were sending Kevin Love to the Lakers, um, and they were receiving the number two pick from the Warriors and two first round picks from the Lakers this year and next year. And a bunch of other junk, you know, JaVale McGee and Danny Green and some other guys. I think Kuzma was in that deal going to Cleveland. And then the Lakers were getting Kevin Love and Golden State was getting Andre Drummond and the Cavs' fifth pick. So that was a really intriguing scenario. It won't happen in a zillion years, but it it looked good to me on paper for all parties involved. I think think regardless of what happens, um, I've come to the conclusion that Kobe Altman just doesn't know what he's doing. He just oh, doesn't. Because he, he, he doesn't have a because he doesn't have a plan, man. I know I want I want to I want to root for for black GMs, but I'm oh. looking at this dude. He's got he's got. Oh, I mean, he's drafting point guards every single year, and, and each one of them can do certain things. You know, I, I would I would love to have a team of 15 Colin Sexons because this kid works harder than any NBA player I've ever seen. Because he worked, I mean, he's probably in the gym that's, right that's now. A over, that, that's, a, that's an overstatement. We, we, ain't, we ain't working that hard. We working hard enough as far as I'm concerned. Okay, okay, Cause, okay. Because okay. <laughs> I, I, I can guarantee you Darius Garland's not uh, working uh, working hard <laughs> on his jump shot. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take 15 college sexes on my team any day. But going back to the pick here, and especially in a draft like this, it's very difficult to find star potential, star power. Um, but for me, 
I, I'm going to go with the, with the guy from my own backyard. I've seen this kid enough to know that this is the direction that I would want to go in if I'm the Cavs because I because he's probably the most known of all the unknowns that's left of the players in this draft. If I'm the Cavs, I'm going to go in the direction of Ob Toppin from the six nine power four from Dayton. That's where I would go with, and I would start a different direction, and I would get all of this all this dead weight money. I mean, you got. Thirty-one million with with Kevin Love. You got you know the, the twenty-eight million on the option, the player option. You know uh, Andre's gonna take that because that's twenty-eight million dollars. You know you got a whole bunch of of you got a couple of high-priced guys, but you got a whole bunch of young guys as well that you're paying a lot of money to. You gotta you gotta do something to to spark some type of interest in this team. Why don't you go a couple hours down the road and get the guy that, that can and at least help with that rebuild for you and so, get some type of direction going. And that's the guy I would take. So, so speaking strictly about from a, a, a getting a little bit of juice going, I agree that Obi Toppin, if you look at the highlights, that dude is a high flyer. Um, people compare him to Amari Stoudemire, uh, you know, with his size and his athleticism. And he did play ball at Dayton. So he's an Ohio guy to some degree. Uh, so I, I can see him working out. If if the Cavs ended up with Obi Toppin, I wouldn't be mad as a fan, and he would make some highlight reels, and so that'd be fun to watch. But the more I dug into Obi Toppin, the more concerned I became. Um, he, first of all, so he was a college player of the year this year, so he's not like a bum by any stretch, you know. Great athlete, good shooter, had good shooting numbers. Um, he's old, Mark. Do you know how old he is? Twenty, he's twenty two, isn't he? He's twenty two. He's going to be twenty three in March. So, like, yeah. basically, you know, the season starts December twenty second. This dude's going to be right. twenty three two months into his NBA career. Historically, that never works out well. You know, usually guys that are that old coming into the league don't turn into stars. You know what I mean? Which is, you know, best case scenario. I think people need to temper their expectations with draft picks more frequently than they do. But Guys at that age, they don't typically blossom into superstars. They kind of hit their ceiling pretty early in their professional careers. And he only played two years of college ball, Mark. I spent like 10 minutes crunching the numbers trying to figure out how is it that he played. He's he's 23 in a couple of months, and yet he's – or in five months he'll be 23, and he's only played two years of college basketball. They redshirted him as a freshman, but they redshirted him because he was academically ineligible his first year. So, so that was not yep. – you know, that's not an ideal sign that you want in, in a player, I don't think. Correct. Um, fair or unfair. And 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 get, like I said, you couple that with the age and, and, and you look at some of the some of the commentary around him. They they talk about his he has defensive lapses and you know, he's not really yeah. locked in on that end of the floor and it's like I don't know if he's the sharpest basketball mind out there, and maybe that's a snap judgment and that's unfair and I'll own that, but you know, and when I see him, Mark, he reminds me of Derek Williams from the 2011 draft. And, you know, yeah. the, the, they compare him to Amari on the high end. He's Amari Stoudemire. Well, he could be Derek Williams. I love Derek Williams coming out of Arizona. And if you look at their statistics, if you look at their statistics, I wanted the Cavs to draft him. And if you look at this, not over Kyrie, but I wanted them to trade up to get him at number two. But if you look at the right. stats, Williams and Obi Toppin's stats are very similar. Their physical attributes, very similar. Their athleticism, very similar. And Derrick Williams averaged in double figures one season in his NBA career. So that doesn't mean that Obi Toppin is going to be Derrick Williams. But I'm just concerned that at his age, you know I mean? He's a great athlete. He can block shots and stuff. But I don't know if he's locked in mentally to the game. And 
given his his you know the fact that he's he's 22 about to be 23 i don't know how much better he's gonna get you know if you're spending a high lottery pick on a guy you'd want that guy to be 19 if obi Toppin was 19 or 20 he might be going number one overall but he's not you know yeah. he, so i will i will i will say this also just just to preface this because i think i know the person that you you were looking for i'm also looking at this individual and the only i don't, I don't think I you're gonna get it i don't i don't think you're gonna get it but go ahead let me just say this no 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 who is it who is it <laughs> i want to know um i was look. i personally was looking at um uh denia vita i can't pronounce his name oh denia the, Ad, uh, the, Advita. yeah that's not the guy that's not my guy i didn't think i didn't think so i i was hoping that it would be but he's also in play at number five for me um because of the fact that he's 19 years of age and I think that uh, the, the upside, the upside uh, is there. The possibility of upside is there. So, but I think for what the Cavs need right now, and you, uh, you may be absolutely right, and and because the odds are against him because of his defensive liabilities, and his and his and the fact that he will be 23 before the season barely gets underway. I think the issue, I think the issue with him is, is that he's going to be enough of a scorer, and I think that. With Sexton, if they keep Garland, uh, he'll be a, a, a catching uh, catching lobs. It'll be Lob City down in, in Cleveland, Ohio, and I think he will actually, you know, become a human highlight reel to to a certain degree. So that's where the direction I was going from, especially in a, in a draft of unknown guys. So yeah, that's he, the direction he's, he's I fun was to watch. At. He's fun to watch. There's no there's no debate in that. And I'm not saying that my he's... son my son gets on he. he he says I get on his nerves when I talk about Obi Toppin to him, but because he he sees his defensive liabilities as well, so he's not he's I, not that high I, on him. I like, like I him. I like him. I I won't be mad if they pick him, but I just have my concerns. Let's just leave it at that. Number yeah. six, Atlanta's number six. They were twenty and forty seven last year. Um, you know their season kind of fell apart when when John Collins got suspended, but they weren't really defending anybody, so it didn't matter. Trey Young putting up crazy numbers. But, you know, they had two top 10 picks last year with Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, and neither one of them did anything special. How, how do you help this team, Mark? To me, they, have, they, they, they got them. They have to improve uh, some of their talent on there. And unfortunately, if I was them, I would I would see if I could find somebody to trade the pick to. I just don't know if there's anybody who will want to trade to the top five. If they're stuck with stuck there, I think personally they're they're better off getting a, a young guy to grow with the rest of the guys that's there because Atlanta's a young team and they, and they won't get the fruits of their labor probably for like another three to five years. Um, with that being said, um, Denny Avia is the is the direction that I would go with because he's um, he's a six nine guard slash forward small forward who can do a lot of different things that could actually help this team and he also can take some of the pressure off of Trey Young and in the future because I, I look at him as a possible scorer and a playmaker. I think he'll take the uh, take uh, the ball out of uh, Trey Young's hands to, to have to force him to make a play every time down the court. So that's the direction I would go with. Yeah, I, I think that he has some potential. Um, he's got decent size and he's a decent defender. His numbers were not imp- really impressive at all uh, playing in the Israeli league, but he was the Israeli league MVP and led them to a championship. So it's like, I guess he's like a poor man's Luka Doncic, I guess in that regard, he reminds me a little bit of Dario Saric 
who was a lottery pick yeah. some years back. But Saric, mm-hmm. you know, Saric, he's just a guy in the NBA. He averages 12 points a game. He's fine, but he's nothing special. He's not nearly as good of a playmaker as people made Saric out to be when he was coming out the draft. And that's kind of how I feel about right. uh, Denny Avdia, which I believe is how you pronounce his name. So nothing, Avdia, nothing. Yeah, he seems okay. like a smart player. He seems like a smart player, but nothing really jumps out. He's got a good feel, but nothing really jumps off the screen with him to me. Um, moving on to seven, the Pistons. They were twenty and forty-six last year, um, and they they their roster may be the biggest mess in the league. Like if I. If, if y'all if y'all pull up their roster on the internet, like on NBA.com, your computer might crash just because it's like it's like Blake Griffin and a bunch of garbage. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. and Derrick Rose. Like Derrick Rose was Derek like a Rose. big deal Blake, for them. Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose, and that's it. You know, I mean, like Luke Kennard and Tony Snell and Christian Wood, and I don't know, man. They got a decent coach with Dwayne Casey, but but they're they're a mess, man. How do you how do you fix this team? Well, they to me they start off at at, at the floor general. They gotta go point guard. I mean, they, I mean Derrick Rose is there, but Derrick Rose is uh, he at this point in time of his career, he's he's to me at best a six man. He's not he's not the type of guy that's going to be able to carry your team over a course of eighty two game season. They need they need to go young. There they need to go young at their point guard position. So for me, if I'm them. I'm looking at Tyrese Halliburton, the point guard, six five from Iowa State. That's the direction I would go with. I start with him first. I like Halliburton. Um, he's he's one of the guys that I would consider the Cavs would take, even though at the risk of them having a, another point guard, he's a bigger another guard. point guard. He's, he's a bigger <laughs> guard, so he's like you know six five, six six, maybe even six seven. Um, and yeah. so he's got good size. He's got a flat kind of funky shot. It's kind of weird, mm-hmm. but. Um, it's like a set shot almost, but and and, he, and from what I saw of him, he's constantly goes to his right hand like all the time. All so, the time. Yeah, I never see yep. him go or finish left. But um, he's got great size for a point guard. Um, I don't know if he can get a shot off without a pick in the NBA, but um, he's got some potential there. There's still some promise, and he's got the skill set I think to be a good defender. He averaged fifteen six and six in college, so I feel like he's going to be a triple double threat every night in the NBA. I think he has that kind of ability. So. I think the I Pistons, the Pistons could do a lot worse than than Tyrese Halliburton. The Knicks, the Knicks are eighth. They were twenty one and forty five. They hired Tom Thibodeau, um, Thibodeau, Thibodeau. Uh, they're they're obviously a huge uh, trade destination hotspot from from a rumor standpoint with Westbrook and Chris Paul and some others. Um, but people finally believe, finally believe the Knicks have some smart people running the team aside from James Dolan. Um, but <laughs> aside from him. Uh, they people yeah, really believe. But we know they have two. Side. They have two pieces. They have Mitchell Robinson. We, they have R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett's shooting numbers were were utter utterly trash last year. But people still yeah. believe in him. And we know Mitchell Robinson can defend the interior. So um, they need they need more. They need more. In my opinion, they need to be able to. They don't have many defenders on that team. They got a lot of uh, chuckers like uh, R.J. Barrett and stuff like that. But they don't have enough. Julius Randle, they got. I mean, there, but they don't have. They don't have enough defenders, especially defenders in, in on the front in the front court, front line. They're 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 getting abused. So for me, for them, um, I'm going with um, Oyeka Okongwu, the power forward center from USC, six nine. And you can you can play him at the at the four. You can play him at the five. But his biggest contribution for that team will be on the defensive side. So I think that's going to help them out a lot. So that's where I'm going with them. So I agree with you. They do need some defense. 
Um, but I think the Knicks need some backcourt help. And I mentioned that Mitchell Robinson can defend the paint. So I don't, I personally don't see them going in this direction. Uh, and you look at the mocks, Okongwu's off the board already. If you look at the mocks, like they got this guy flying up draft boards. I think the best thing that ever happened to him was uh, Bam Adebayo. Like when you look at how Bam Adebayo developed down in Miami, and this dude looks like right. a carbon copy, you know, of, of Bam, except he put up better numbers in, in his college uh, one season in, at USC. Um, he's an explosive rim runner. He can finish in traffic and through contact. Um, I don't know if he has much game outside of 10 feet, but he can finish explosively at the rim and he can block shots. Um, I think he's a, he's, he's the closest thing to a Bam clone we've seen since Bam. So, um, right. you know, the Knicks could do worse than him, but I, I see them looking more towards uh, backcourt help and, and somebody who can maybe shoot for them. I think they would love to have Halliburton in New York. I think yeah, they, they've, been, I think, they've been striking out left and right with all the point guards that they've drafted. They, over they, the, the, Knicks, they, the Knicks always end up one pick away from the guy that they really wanted, it seems like. So, yeah, exactly. Friend of the podcast, Anthony Houston, he's a big, uh-huh. Killian, he's a big Killian Hayes fan. Uh, the, French, uh-huh. the French kid. He loves Killian Hayes. He wants him to be a Nick. Um, I've seen the Ringers uh, uh, NBA draft, uh, you know, manifesto or whatever. They got Killian Hayes rated as their number one prospect. And that's the guy who yeah. Anthony wants for the Knicks. I think that that's more likely than Okongwu, but, you know, who knows? This is You're running the team, Mark, so this is the Mark draft for a reason. <laughs> the Wizards pick ninth. They were 24 and 47, um, and pretty much their entire franchise hinges on what they do with Brad Beal. Do they trade him or do they not trade him? Bradley Beal averaged 30 points a game last year. We know he can't be the man, you know, your best player, and you really compete for a title, but he can be a damn good Robin. Um, just about yep. better than anybody in the league, I would say. The John Wall injury and contract just crippled this team. And if you look past Bradley yeah. Beal, there's not really much there. The cover's pretty bare. So how should yep. the Wizards approach this? I would this? agree with that. So if I'm them, um, I, I, I would definitely need to – their best bet is this, uh, with the with the Wall contract. You know Wall is making it's going to make $41 million next year. That's just absolutely atrocious. He, he's got $91 million left for two years. Yes. Absolutely, you know Bradley Beal. I mean, he's got. I mean, he he's making a nice chunk of change too, and and that just leaves the rest of the team basically making peanuts. So that's why they need to get talent on the on the young end. So for me, they I'm looking at Patrick Williams, the six uh, six eight small forward from Florida State, as a as a guy who also could possibly make a highlight reel reel too. That's why I'm looking at if I'm if I'm Washington, I'm gonna go that right with uh, Patrick Williams. Well, I, I love this mark draft because we're not really agreeing on stuff, and I love it. You know, Patrick <laughs> Williams is another guy that I look at, and I'm and granted, this is not the best draft, so okay, we get it. But like Patrick Williams is another dude that I look at, and I'm like, okay, he's a great athlete, he's got a great NBA body. Can he play basketball? This guy was a freshman. He came off the bench for Florida State. He never started a game in college. He reminds me of Marvin Williams in that regard. Marvin Williams was about the same size, had the NBA body, great athlete, came off the bench for a Carolina team that I believe won the NBA NCAA championship. And Marvin Williams was the second pick of the draft, and, and he turned out to be Marvin Williams. And that's not who you would want to, to turn out to be. You don't want your lottery pick. You don't want your lottery pick to turn out to be Marvin Williams. That's the point. So, um, you know, I, so I, when I look at no, he, he's yes, yes. That that is fair. That is fair. He, the guy stuck around. He's still getting the check. So good for him. I think he, I think he was on Milwaukee this last year. But uh, word to who he played for from TNT. But uh, yeah, that's who I see when I see Patrick Williams. And so like again, 
that's that's roll. That's a dice roll. Patrick Williams is a dice roll. He's young. He's the opposite of Obi Toppin. He's an athlete, but he's young as hell. So maybe he develops. You get him into your program, and he you can develop him. Um, Phoenix, perhaps the most interesting team in the lottery is the Phoenix Suns. They were eight and zero in the bubble, and finished twenty six and thirty eight on the season. They missed the playoffs, but we know they have Devin Booker. He's a star. We know we talked about DeAndre yeah. Ayton already. Uh, they can re-sign yeah. Sarich, you know, potentially. And, of course, the trade speculation is running, running wild this past week with rumors that Chris Paul is going to Phoenix. Now, you and I kind of had a, a mild disagreement on that on the text, just as far as whether or not that's a good destination for Paul. I don't think that's a championship team if he goes there, but I think it's a playoff team. And with a young stud like Devin Booker, good things could happen. I, I don't really know, but I, I think Paul in Phoenix, it won't get Paul into the finals, I, I don't believe, but... It, it doesn't kill his career by any stretch, and it certainly helps the Suns. So what do you think Phoenix ought to do with 10? To me, this sounds like another team that could stand to trade this pick for a veteran. I have a feeling that at some point that they will trade this pick for a veteran, and I, and I wouldn't be shocked if they actually make that uh, Chris Paul trade, to be honest with you. Um, I, you, know, you. You already know my concerns with that, but let's just say for, like, for whatever situation that we're looking at right now, they don't trade that pick and they're stuck right there. I'm looking at the roster. The, the, the guy that sticks out to me right now as far as um, a, a situation or a potential problem is actually twofold. So they have a possible opening at point guard because, you know, you got Ricky Rubio there who's, who's destined to make almost $35 million over the next two years. And you have Kelly Oubre, who's in the last year of his deal, oh, well, fourteen million. You got to bring so Oubre go, back. You got to bring Oubre back. Yeah, so you, I would think you have to bring him back. I think they will try their best to keep him. Um, I don't know, you know, how free agency is going to work when he when he gets to that point. But all that being said and done, if 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 I'm them, I, they don't have much behind Ricky Rubio at point guard, in my opinion. So um, I'm going to go with with uh, with Anthony Houston's guy. I'm going to go with Killian Hayes, the point guard from. Also, if if this kid turns out to be as good as Anthony says, and, and from what I've seen uh, on on tape per se, if he's if he's as good as he is advertised, I think you can move on from Ricky Rubio and and just go a little bit younger, and that will also take some significant heat off your salary cap going forward too. So that's the direction I would go if I was them. Realistically, I don't think that there's a trade scenario that exists where Phoenix can get Chris Paul and not give up this pick, but. Um, I would agree, but you never know. I mean, stranger things have happened. Uh, and, and Hayes, Hayes has some ability, um, decent size, decent handle, good passer, good feel for the game. He's a lefty. He's got that herky jerky Manu Ginobili thing going on. He throws great lobs out of the pick and roll, which could be great for Aiton. And, um, uh, he had some low shooting percentages too. Uh, and he took a lot of step backs, but the difference is that he, he shot 85% from the foul line, and usually that's a decent indicator that a guy's going to figure it out as a shooter. Um, so Hayes going 10 to Phoenix. 11th is the Spurs. The winningest franchise, I believe they're still the winningest franchise in all of North American sports since they came into existence. That's how good the Spurs have been. You know, there's rumors that they're going to trade LaMarcus Aldridge. They were saying he might go to Golden State. They're going to try to trade DeRozan. I've heard that rumor. Pop might retire. If there was a time for Pop to get out, now is probably a good time, but... You know, all they really have right now is DeJounte Murray, Devin White, and uh, Lonnie Walker. I don't know what you do with that. So how do they turn the page? Man? So they're going to have to turn the page. I think their best bet is going to have to go younger. Because like you, all, those, all those names that you just mentioned are, in, are basically in the final years of their deal. 
and they, and that includes Rudy Gay and you got Pat, uh, Patty Mills, who uh, who are all in the final years of their deal. And I, and once those guys go, you're gonna have basically nobody on your bench. Uh, so they're gonna have to go younger. Um, the I've looked at this kid a little bit to the point where I think that if he goes to the right team, he has he has an opportunity. Um, for, for San Antonio, I'm looking at Devin Vassell, the uh, 6'7 guard from Florida State. Um, I think uh, he needs a little bit of time to develop, but I think if he was him under the San Antonio system, because one thing that San Antonio do, uh, I mean, does very well is that they – they maximize the talent out of the people that they select, that they draft. And I think if he if he goes to that franchise, I think he will end up being a decent player. Mark? That's my guy, Devin Vassell. <laughs> Devin Vassell is my guy, okay? He's a 3 and D guy. He plays the lanes. He can pick pockets. He's a good help defender. That guy hustles, and he can hit threes. He can hit spot up threes. He shot 41% uh, last year yeah. from three. I think he's over 40% for his two years at Florida State. Um, he can't really score off the dribble, I think, which kind of limits him. He's not really a creator in that way. but And he's not much of a playmaker, I don't think. So I think that's where his ceiling is. But I think if you get that guy in the right system, I, and San Antonio is the right system for almost everybody, he can be really good. If the Cavs were to, say, trade back from five and pick up a future first and draft a Devin Vassell, I think that's a win. I like this kid, Mark. I like Devin Vassell. Sacramento uh, is next. They're 31 and 41. Uh, they didn't quite make the jump that that people thought they were going to make last year. De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald are still kind of leading the way in the backcourt. Marvin Bagley got hurt, so we don't really know exactly how good he's going to be, but this franchise is still licking their wounds from passing on Luka Doncic. Mark, what do they do? Sadiq Bay, forward from Villanova, 6'8". Right, they got to they gotta get better in the front court at this point. So that's where I would go if I was them. Yeah, some front court help would, would certainly, uh, you know, help them out. I mean, you know, we have they have – uh, Bog, Bogdanovich, I think they they got one of the Bogdanoviches, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, over there and uh, Sadiq Bay, yeah, six ten, uh, six ten wingspan. He's actually six eight. Uh, he's a three and D dude, like you said, a good defender and he can shoot. So, um, I think that that's not a bad pick there. Seems like just a solid guy from a solid program. You know, Villanova, they've been producing solid players for a long time. So, um, right. hopefully, he's another one for the Kings if they can't. Maybe they're another young team maybe looking to trade to pick. The same team's picking in the lottery every year. Number 13 is the Pelicans. We know that they were 30 and 42. We know that Brandon Ingram is the most improved player. We know that they fired their coach and hired Stan Van. We know that they're going to have Stan Van help Di- uh, Zion get on a diet. And uh, we know that they still got Alonzo Ball and, and LeVar Ball over there. So how, how do they take the next step? I think Redick is a free agent for them, but they probably need that shooting. And Drew Holiday's been in trade rumors. What's the next move for them? I would go with shooting, and I, I mean, I would go with with shooting guard in particular. I would go with R.J. Hampton, six five shooting guard, and that's where I would go as far as direction for them. Because, like you said, you know, you got J.J. Redick there, but he's on in the last year of his deal at thirteen million. He may get moved this off season, so you need somebody in the backcourt to to help with Drew Holiday, and that's a guy that I would look at if I was them. Yeah, R.J. Hampton, he's another one of them dudes that I think he went overseas and played in New Zealand. Um, yeah. So he, he's explosive. He's a good athlete. He, he plays really hard. Um, you know, not really much of an assist guy, but I think he can he can maybe, you know, help get some shots. And, and Zion is a willing passer and Ingram and Zion together. They're going to attract a lot of attention. So, um, you know, and he plays good off the ball. He's, he's a has a quick first step. So I think that that's not a bad move. And then finally, the, the Celtics pick last in the lottery. Uh, they were 48 and 24. They lost in the 
conference finals to the Heat. Um, we have Brown and Tatum, of course, on this team. Uh, Brown is a, a top 25 guy, I think, in the league right now. Jalen Brown, I think Jason Tatum's a top 10 or 12 guy in the league right now. But then they also went and picked up Kemba Walker and Gordon Haywood in free agency, and both of those dudes got hurt and have underperformed in their time in Boston. So they need front court help. Can you find them some front court help, Mark? Honestly, I don't think so. I've been looking at it. I've been looking at this. Uh, <laughs> I've been looking at this. Uh, how everything is set up for them, and and they and right now they you know all the big big names are gone. So for me, if I'm if I'm if I'm uh, Boston, I'm trained to pick. I'm trying to I'm trained to pick to try to get some front court help. I don't know who would be their the best uh, combination for them going forward, but uh, I don't I don't know. That I would I would even go that route. Um, it, the only thing that I could think of as a possibility for them would be uh, Jay McDaniel's, the forward from Washington. Um, but other than that, I I would really think of all the teams that I've, we've been talking about, I think that they need to trade to pick the most because they don't need another young guy. They need more uh, of veteran help right now, especially in the front court, like you said. Well, yeah, their, their window is now, like Golden State's is. Their window is right now. Um, you know, I think they could right. They could maybe use Jalen McDaniels. He, he's a 19-year-old, uh, 6'9", forward. Uh, he played one year at Washington. Um, he, he didn't have a great year at Washington from, what, from certain accounts, but he's got some uh, good athleticism and shooting ability and some defensive versatility, let some people tell it. So quick recap. Uh, for the, the Thanksgiving edition of the Mark Draft, Anthony Edwards, one to Minnesota, Wiseman, two to Golden State, LaMelo, three to Charlotte, Isaac Okoro, four to Chicago, Obi Toppin to Cleveland at five, Denny Adbia to Atlanta at six, Tyrese Halliburton to Detroit, uh, uh, Okongwu from USC to the Knicks at eight, Patrick Williams, number nine to the Washington Wizards, Killian Hayes to Phoenix at 10, Devin Vassell, my guy, I guess. I guess he's my guy. Uh, he's my guy now. Uh, Devin Vassell to San Antonio at 11. Uh, Sadiq Bay, number 12 to the Kings. RJ Hampton, 13 to the Pelicans. And the Boston Celtics are, should be trading this pick. If not, maybe Jaden McDaniels. We prioritize the Mark draft here. So, Mark, thank you very much. Appreciate y'all for listening. We out of here. Peace.